welcome to another episode of This Is How We Do It, a podcast series from Women as One, where we focus on practical ways to eliminate gender disparities in medicine. I am Rebecca Ortega, the Executive Director of Women as One, and our guest today is Dr. Ashley Simmons. Dr. Simmons is a cardiologist and the Director of the Adelaide C. Ward Women's Heart Health Center at the University of Kansas Health System. She is also the inventor of a very cool product called CardioBra, and today I'll speak with her about her experience developing this important tool, and we'll get her thoughts on the rising tide of innovation known as Femtech. Welcome to the show, Dr. Simmons. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you. And this conversation is going to kind of touch on a few topics that I think are important. Your personal experience as an entrepreneur in developing CardioBra, and then the product itself, which is part of this growing market referred to as femtech, or software and technology that addresses women's specific biological needs. So let's start at the beginning. What is CardioBra, and where did this idea come from? Okay. Well, it's actually a story that really comes from my patients. I'm a non-invasive cardiologist and have been in practice for over 10 years. And over that time period, I heard women complain repetitively about undergoing stress echo in particular, or exercise stress echo. Some of women would walk into the exercise lab and they'd be ready to work out in their workout gear. And they may have a male sonographer in front of them or a male exercise physiologist or even a male nurse, and they're told to undress from the top up, and then their electrodes are placed, they get you know, their baseline images, and then they're told to walk with a thin hospital gown over them on a treadmill. There are lots of reasons for this from a medical perspective. You need to be able to access the chest wall very quickly. You need to be able to image the heart right at peak exercise. But from a female perspective, undergoing this test, that's an embarrassing um, study. It is horrific for a lot of women, and they came and complained to me about it. I went to the sonographers. They said 75% of the women they see show some level of discomfort when they come in the room and are told to undress. And I said, God, this is crazy. We should be able to figure out a solution to this. And so that's kind of how the whole idea started. It really came from my patients. And so CardioBra is really a you know, a stress test bra that is designed for rapid access to the chest wall for the sonographers to acquire your echo images at peak stress, but also that something that provides modesty and comfort. And then the other thing that I noticed from a physician standpoint is that oftentimes women who are undergoing exercise stress echo have EKG lead artifact for breast motion. Sometimes the EKG leads fall off. The EKG leads are placed in an inappropriate or what we call a modified EKG lead placement, which oftentimes can mimic heart attacks, or you can see artifacts that would mimic an arrhythmia. So I wanted to address a garment that would help with accurate EKG lead placement and hopefully help women reduce those barriers to stress testing for women. So that's basically the product and kind of how we got there. Yeah, amazing. And it obviously sounds like it's necessary. So you had this idea, right? You thought this would be a great product. What do you do then, right? You have this idea, you maybe don't have any experience inventing or developing any products. Where do you go next? Well, so I really came right out of the clinic room and across the hall from me was one of my partners who's now chair of our department. And I said, gosh, Mark, I mean, this is crazy. We've got to have something. He said, you know, you need to talk to our director of innovations at the health system. And he gave me 
Chris Wilson's name. And so I had an appointment with Chris and, you know, I think a lot of early people who have ideas, they're so scared to share them because they're scared someone's going to copy it and blah, blah, blah. So I was paranoid when I talked to Chris. I'm like, Chris, I think I might need a non-disclosure. He's like, well, you work at the same place as me. But anyway, we sat down. He said, it's a great idea. And really from that point on, the health system supported me in developing the idea through their innovations department. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what those resources are. What is the innovations department? What is available to you? If you, you know, like yourself kind of go in with a great idea, do they line up sort of the plan for you? How does it work? Well, I was one of the, you know, first products to go through our innovations department. So it's a constant learning process for for both of us. But the initial step was, you know, there was basically awards that went out for people who had ideas I don't recall, I think it was like five or six people that received an award. And I think the award is, you know, $5,000 initially to, you know, help develop your idea, determine if it's viable, what have you. And you kind of go through some stages with the innovations department. Their whole goal there is to help protect the intellectual property. So they paid for all the patent costs and trademarking, copywriting costs, and then help put other resources in front of you, such as investors who may be interested in investing in medical innovation. And, you know, as we've come forward, I think some of the resources that I've really enjoyed are resources within the health system as far as contract negotiations with distributors and group purchasing organizations, which is a whole new process for a cardiologist to learn. So it's been nice to kind of have the health systems help with that, if you will. But the whole purpose of the innovations department is to help help physicians or whomever in the health system who have an idea to develop it, to protect the intellectual property, and hopefully help commercialize it long term. Yeah. So it's interesting, the predominant sort of system, if you will, within the United States, at least the academic sort of system is this sort of win-win construct, if you will, where an inventor such as yourself would be able to gain access to the resources that you're describing that they may not otherwise be able to access or even know about. And the university gains financial access to a pool of potentially successful inventions, right? So you can think about that as a win-win. On the other hand, I think some people might feel constricted by that because typically that relationship is baked into your contract. (laughs) And so therefore that relationship is required as opposed to optional. But I think for the sake of this conversation, it sounds like it was a really beneficial relationship for you and could be something that other women would also be able to take advantage of. In your mind, at least going back in time and thinking about yourself at that early point where you were just going into the innovation office, what were you thinking? I mean, you said you were nervous. Were you kind of hesitant to kind of go in for any other reasons beyond just kind of having this great idea and being scared to share it? Oh, I think it's it's all of the above. It's a whole new world for somebody who really knows patient care and cardiology and doesn't really know the business world or kind of where you go from zero, you know, to a patent and development of that. I really didn't even know the process. I bought a bunch of books. It was a totally new experience for me. So I had to, I guess, be brave going into the meeting and then talking to other men about something that they may not understand, which is like a sports bra and how a woman would feel. I think this product in particular, people understood pretty rapidly. And in fact, I've had a lot of 
men email me about their wives and my partners who are mostly men in my group came up to me right after I won the first innovation award at KU and said, wow, this is a needed product. I'm so embarrassed it hasn't been out there before. But in response to your question, I think it's uncharted territory. It's a nervous meeting because you you really don't I mean, I don't think any entrepreneur knows everything first time around about what they're doing. And so I was obviously very nervous about it. And I didn't know how to protect the idea or any of that, or how to negotiate with the hospital or negotiate with any businesses at that point. So I think that all tied into the the nerves of the meeting. Well, right. And having, you know, a suite of resources available to you would be comforting, I'd imagine, to some degree as someone who had no idea what they were doing at the beginning of all of this. I'd imagine too, the the time commitment was probably on your mind. Let's talk a little bit. I mean, you're a practicing physician, right? I'm sure you were incredibly busy before you even started this journey, committing yourself to the development of a product, the approval of a product, the marketing and sales of a product. That's a huge commitment. Can you speak a little bit about sort of the the time commitment involved? How long did it take from you know, sort of the conception of this idea to getting the product on the market? And how did that disrupt your daily life? I mean, it's a long haul. We're on about year five to six, if I can recall this correctly. I think the first provisional patent was placed in 2017. But there were, you know, a year before that when we were in discussions with the hospital. So, you know, it's it's all a balancing act. This is something that I really enjoyed learning about. I had passion about it. And then I also felt like it was one way I could contribute to helping other women and, you know, standing up for my female patients who needed it. So I think that propelled me. And, you know, it's nights, weekends. My children kind of helped me design the first logo. I had involvement with my children who kind of helped propel me forward, which was good because they knew I was working on it at nights and weekends. It's a long haul. And I do think that one thing that I think would be important for people who are in a similar situation to know is to, and this is not quite your question you asked me, but it was probably the most important thing I learned through the whole process is to ask your friends for help. And it's amazing how many resources you have locally in your own communities, just through your friends. And the only time that I've made mistakes in this process is when I was going to, you know, getting trying to get help from someone that I didn't know. You know, like as far as the bra manufacturing, I went to a manufacturing company in LA, which was horrible, horrible experience. I lost money with it, never got a prototype developed. It was horrible. And then when I came to a local company who, you know, I knew through a friend, it was a wonderful experience. And the manufacturer I work with now is on our board because I've just absolutely adore him and all of the assistance he had in kind of helping with the prototype development. It all takes time, but I do think, and I know I'm trying to go back to your question. No, you are answering my question. (laughs) I do think the time that I wasted in not using resources that I had available to me just through personal connections, which have been the best route for me to go, that was wasted time, (laughs) I will say. Yeah. No, it sounds like you had a great support system and you happen to have friends in places that are useful for your professional needs as well. So, you know, it makes perfect sense to me. And I would imagine as someone who has an idea, who doesn't have the experience, you know, in this arena, feeling supported both, you know, within the institutional walls, but also just within the context of your life is 
critical to being able to build the nerve to jump in and and try it out. Because ultimately, like you said, at the end of the day, what you're trying to achieve is something for women, something that improves the lives of women. And that is, you know, an important mission. Obviously, it's the mission of women as one as well. So I understand that. And I, I think it's a great message. I'm going to touch on VC funding for just a second. And I know, you know, based on our prior conversations that you did not seek venture capital funds for Cardio Bra, but many women do, obviously. And I was reading about all of this uh, (laughs) earlier today and saw a pretty striking statistic. You know, the VC funding for women-led startups overall has just historically been pitiful. But in 2020, it actually decreased, not just overall funding, obviously due to the pandemic decreasing, but comparatively, the percentage of funding for women-led startups dropped from 2.8%, which was the highest rate ever, sadly enough, in 2019 to 2.3% of total VC funding in 2020. And as if women needed another setback during the pandemic, there is yet another reason here that the pandemic is kind of bringing really dramatic consequences to women specifically. And I think it really highlights why now now is the time, it's more important than ever to double down on our support of women. So I'm really pleased that you're here talking about this today. And I, I hope it really reinforces for the listeners that you know we need to support women in, in just every way. I want to shift gears a bit, though, for just a moment. And I want to talk about Cardio Bra as part of the growing wave of femtech. So this idea of software technology that's specific to women. And according to some projections, femtech products are expected to reach $1.1 billion in revenue by 2024. And the market seems to be wide open. And it's really exciting to see you jumping into this space. And I'm so glad you're on the show today. So Cardio Bra is a product designed by a woman for women, obviously, and uh, it fills an unmet market need in an area where women really are suffering. Cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women around the world, and hundreds of millions of women are either at risk or living with cardiovascular disease. So making preventative solutions, diagnostics, the treatment you know, available to women for cardiovascular disease easier and more effective by way of these women-specific products really seems like a no-brainer, right? And yet there are very few of these products on the market. Why do you think that is? Why are there so few kind of femtech products, if you will, within cardiology? Well, I think part of it is, I mean, it's newer, right? I mean, women are just getting in. I mean, women have been getting into this for a long time, but it takes a lot of resources, a lot of time. And interestingly, in my process, somebody, and I can't, I wish I could remember who it was who I was speaking to said, you know, women innovators tend to invent products that are needed on the market immediately. Whereas men are looking at things that may be needed. Women are thinking of things that like, gosh, we need this. I need this right now. And so we need more um, innovation in women. I've seen it just in, gosh, if you think of you know, I see it in women's products for newborns because my sister-in-law just is expecting for her second child. And I look at all the things that have been invented by women for nursing and um, nursing bras and how to support your child and what have you. And a lot of that innovation has been in women. That's 
part of women's health, not specific to women's cardiology. I also think why cardiology lags is that there's so few women in cardiology. It's only, depending on what statistic you look at, there's only 10 to 14% of all cardiologists in the U.S. are women. And so when you have a smaller group that knows the needs of the women within that, you know, within, I mean, cardiology is huge, right? It's the number one killer of all women and men in the United States. But when you're dealing with a smaller proportion of people that understand needs and women, you know, as only 10 to 15 percent of cardiologists are women, then you're in that group that are already working busy, usually balancing family lives or professional lives. And when are they going to find time to do innovation or launch a new product or something that I I just think it comes a, a time commitment deal. But I do think as we get more support for women in FemTech, we'll see more and more needed products come to the market. Yeah, I hope so. And I think there is an exciting opportunity there, right? But it requires support of women. So it's interesting your point about your colleagues coming to you after you know you were presented with this award and they were like, oh my God, why didn't we think of this sooner? Like, I can't believe we didn't think of this sooner. And here you are, a woman listening and, you know, watching the needs of other women. And as you mentioned, you know, just thought we need this now. We needed this yesterday. And if you're bringing women to the table with that perspective, with the perspective of women, then you're going to get these new ideas, these immediate needs, I think, way more rapidly than you otherwise would. But you have to create those pathways for women to have a seat at that table. And I think that's where we've seen roadblocks historically. So Women as One, at least, is attempting to sort of break down some of those barriers and, and get more women at the table and encourage more women to pursue the path that you did, you know, and and give it a try because I think, you know, there are many needs out there that are unmet and lots of opportunity. And it, it seems very fulfilling and rewarding. I want to ask though, sort of just to kind of wrap things up here, where do things stand right now with CardioBra? Can we buy it? Is it covered by insurance? Where is it available? How do we find out more? Yeah. So CardioBra is available for order directly through the website, which is CardioBra.com. It's actually orders at CardioBra.com. It's also available for order through Henry Shine which is a medical distributor, and through Premier, which is a group purchasing organization. So our goal is to give women the choice at every institution that offers stress echo so that they don't have any barriers to getting their needed diagnostic testing done. And we have a better accurate exercise stress echo exam, which I think is going to be so important in the future because... No radiation, easily portable. You can get it anywhere. You can get a stress echo almost anywhere. You don't have to be at a you know, huge academic institution. You could be at a small clinic. It's portable, and you don't have to deal with radioisotope disposal. So I do think stress echoes will always be an important part of a woman's diagnostic imaging. And I do think that women need the option, if they feel uncomfortable getting the study, to be able to wear a cardio bra. Amazing. Well, congratulations again. Thank you so much for joining us today. I definitely learned a lot. I was inspired. I'm going to go invent something. And uh, <laughs> hopefully our <laughs> listeners feel the same way. So thank you, Ashley, and best of luck. 